We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio outreach of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called The Four W's of Discipleship at Vertical Church. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Walk with Christ, the ongoing experience of grace and community. Let's turn our hearts to Luke 24. What if you find out that Jesus has no place to stay and it's late in the evening? Are you going to let him come stay overnight? Now, why do I say that? Because I know what it's like as a family when somebody shows up unexpectedly, right? And, and, and I can just imagine Cleopas' wife, you know, shut the door for a second. Hey, kids, you have two minutes to get your rooms cleaned now, right? And, and we all know the routine, right? I mean, am I... Am I telling the truth here or not? When you get that moment where somebody shows up unexpected and you're like, okay, guys, go upstairs, clean the hall. I don't care. Throw it in your room. Throw it on the bed. Take the laundry. No, don't fold the laundry. Just take it upstairs. Throw it on the bed. We'll clean it up later. Shut the door so that they can walk to the hallway and not see any of this chaos. And how many of you have lived there before? Okay. I'm speaking the truth here. Would you let Jesus in for two hours? But see, the difference is, if I'm going to let Jesus spend the night, which is what they're offering to him, if I'm going to let Jesus spend the night, that means he's going to have to go sleep in one of my kids' bedrooms. That means he's going to be stumbling over Legos and God knows what else and have to move the stuffy bear off there and the, the sheets are a little stinky and I don't think all the clothes are picked up. Am I willing to let Jesus see the real parts of my life or are we going to play games and tell him to stay in the living room? I'm going to take this a level deeper. If you're going to invite, you comfortable inviting Jesus into the real part of your life, what happens, you know what that means? That means the next morning, he's going to wake up in your house. And he's going to be, you know, when, when, you, when you're waking up in that chaotic moment and you're just trying to get, come on kids, you've got to get to school. And then, and then one of the kids is like, hey, well, we're trying to eat cereal and, 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 and there's only enough milk for one of us. And um, well then... Uh, <laughs> Then go get the half and half and put some water in it and, and, and that'll work. And I've been there. You've been there. And here's Jesus on the couch sipping coffee. Am I good with that? You know, some of us would be like, yeah, I'd really like Jesus to have gone home the night before. But then what if Jesus, what if Jesus, who sees us as we are, what if Jesus gets off the couch and says, could I just pray a blessing over your family right now? Okay, Jesus, yes, I want you here. Because whatever you're praying over my family is what my family needs. And whatever you're gonna pray over us is gonna solve those things that we can't solve. Listen, Scripture tells us that Jesus is in heaven right now interceding for us. Would you allow Jesus into the real parts of your life. And look with me at verse 35. Some of us are not sure. Some of us are like, but what if I'm a messy person? What if Jesus wouldn't like me? What if, what I want you to notice gospel transformation in community. Verse 33 says, and then they rose the same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. This famously became known later. Think about this, seven miles in the dark. This became famously known as the Emmaus 11K. And they, that same hour, they returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them and they, gathered, they were gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Now, this is not the two talking. This is 
the 11 talking, all the others, the believers that are gathered, they, they said, the Lord is risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. And then they, the two, told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, I want to draw your attention here to one word. One word in this text screams redemptive community. It's the word Simon. Okay? It wasn't 72 hours before this that Simon Peter did his most infamous, I mean, he was great at sticking his foot in his mouth. That was kind of a routine. But less than 72 hours before this, he had, he had stood up in multiple settings and said, I do not even know who Jesus is. Now, imagine if a pastor did that. This is an apostle who has done life with Jesus himself, and he denies knowing Jesus. Now, now what do you think Jesus is going to do with him? That's about as flagrant a foul. If I'm going to throw a flag, that's about the most flagrant foul you can throw on someone. And yet, what does Jesus do now? Hey, look up here for a minute. Have you ever failed Jesus before? You ever failed someone so badly that your heart, you just almost, you almost wish life could be gone because you were so, you've hurt somebody you love so deeply that you, you just don't even know what to do. That was Peter. That was Simon. And yet in Mark 16, 7, it says that an angel, when he appeared to Mary, he, he said, go tell the disciples where Jesus is going. And, and men, he mentioned specifically Peter because Peter needed to hear that. We're told in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, that Jesus appeared to Peter specifically before the rest of the believers in the text that would be coming next. I just want to remind us that uncommon community is life-changing encounters with Jesus within committed relationships. Jesus searches for the lost and the sinful and the hurting. I want you to jot this down as the third thought for us this morning. Uncommon community is developed over time as we walk with Christ by faith and one another in redemptive relationships. Listen, if you want a model of redemptive relationships, look no farther than Jesus and Peter. It is in this setting that Jesus himself reaches out to Peter and finds Peter and tells Peter, listen, well, we don't know what happened in the first encounter. We know a later encounter in John chapter 21 where Jesus enables Peter in grace to walk back those three denials with three, I love you. Remember that? What a picture of redemptive community. If you ever think that you've gone too far, that somehow you've done something that Jesus could never forgive, you look at this passage and you think about Simon for a little while. You write Simon Peter right over the top of whatever you're thinking. What a beautiful picture of Christ over time working in Simon Peter. If you look ahead to verse 44, again, we're not going to read all this text, but Jesus, when he appears to all of them, he, he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. You know, Jesus said a lot of things to the apostles that they did not believe. And Jesus was patient with them. And right now, Jesus could be like, I told you, so I told you. That's not what he did. He just said, listen, I told you all these things. Now here's the rest of the picture. What a redemptive spirit. Now some of you are wondering, well, what is Jesus doing now? And what does that have to do with our community? Is Jesus up in heaven like with his feet kicked up or something? What Jesus is doing this second is he is building uncommon community within his church. That is his body. This church doesn't belong to vertical church. We're just one extension of the larger body of 
Christ, the family of Christ. Jesus is building his church right now. Jesus is interceding, scripture says in multiple places, Jesus is interceding for us right now. Jesus is present by the Holy Spirit right now. Jesus is preparing a place for us right now, the ultimate community that we will share in his presence forever. That's what Jesus is doing right now. I don't want us to think about redemptive relationships. Jesus does this with Simon. Jesus wants us to be doing this in his presence with all believers. If you turn quickly to Ephesians, we're given another walk passage. I want to read it quickly. So maybe you might be wondering, well, well, well if I'm going to live out redemptive relationships, well, give me a couple pointers. You can meditate on Ephesians 4. The whole chapter is great. Uh, really, the whole book is great. I mean, all of Scripture is great. There's not really one. But if I were to narrow it down, start here. Chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk. Again, a picture of relationship over time. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Called to follow Jesus. With all humility and gentleness. With patience. Look up here. I think about Simon, I think patience. Jesus was so patient. Lord, help me to be patient with the people that I find hard to be with. So maybe, this, maybe you're praying the same thing. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's, a, that's how we do redemptive relationships around the gospel. Maybe you're saying, well, how does that work out? Give me some pointers. I'm going to do this really quickly. I want to give you a couple. Mm, let's go with six. Now, here's the thing you need to know. If you want to have uncommon community around the pre- in the presence of Jesus Christ, it requires, look up here really quick, something un- also uncommon. Uncommon Commitment. Lots and lots of people want to go to church and be happy. Then they they also go to the shoe and want to be happy. There's lots of people that want to be happy. But if you want to have uncommon community with Jesus in the center, yeah, you're going to have to have some uncommon commitment. Because listen, my group's not perfect. Other people, other relationships, churches are known for being fractured at times. And listen, that's not what we want here. Because we want the grace of Jesus Christ to be active among us. Amen? Let me give you six things we need to be committed to. Six relational priorities. Here's the first one. Relational connection. I think it's very telling that Jesus did not appear to a bunch of random individuals outside of community. Jesus showed up to two people doing community. He shows up later with the apostles doing community. He shows up in other areas. Even when he would appear to Mary, he would tell her, to go get some other people ready for community. Go find the apostles and tell them to meet me in Galilee. The only person he revealed himself to privately was Peter. Now listen, the family of God is about connection, not isolation. It's not about Jesus in me, it's about Jesus with us. Hi, this is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. Did you know that these Meeting with God messages actually come from sermons given at our church home, Vertical Church Columbus? 
You know, in addition to hearing God's word proclaimed every week, you'll find a warm, loving church family of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, but are not currently connected to a church home, we'd love to invite you to visit us at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus near the intersection of 315 and Henderson Road. Otherwise, here's what happens. Church is basically like a class in high school. I show up for as long as I have to be there. I get my check mark and I go home. Church is not meant to be school. It's meant to be a family. Okay? Now, if you're here and you're like, I feel isolated. I don't feel like I have other people that are around me that could support me. I don't feel like I'm serving anyone else. Maybe that's because you're trying to embrace a different type of community than biblical community. And I would gently call you out of that. Let me give you a second thing we need to be committed to, and that is applying God's word. We need to be in a community that is applying God's word, not just knowing God's word. Listen, the struggle in, in Luke chapter 24 is that not that they needed more knowledge, they needed more understanding and application of that knowledge. Now, I'm all for getting more knowledge. Both are great, or all three are great. But uncommon community happens when scripture is applied. That's when we have a chapter you know, 24, 32 moment where, where they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened up the scriptures to us? Listen, when you have moments like that, it's where my life, be- I begin to apply what I've learned. Jesus meets me in the text and I become a different person. Here's number three. Commitment to mutual ministry. Lots of churches are known for being what I'll call the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work, 80% of the people do 20% of the work, and everybody's supposed to be cool with that. We're not. Because if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to be fully invested. I want 100%, 100%. That's what the Bible teaches We're going to be talking a little bit more about that in a few weeks as we're talking about serving one another. But here's the deal. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Everyone has something to bring to the table. Mutual ministry. Not a few doing the ministry with the, not the specialty professionals doing it with, no, 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 no. Everybody doing it. I want to read this verse to you from Romans chapter 12, verse 4. It says, for as in one body, the body of Christ, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes with generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What a beautiful picture of mutual ministry. Again, life-changing encounters with Jesus within committed relationships. Two more quick, or three more quickly, unceasing prayer, a commitment to unceasing prayer. I love the picture of Peter in Acts chapter 12, where he's about to suffer and and be martyred for his faith, but the church was relentlessly praying. What a beautiful thing when people in our church are relentlessly praying for one another. Let's go to another one, authentic growth. Uncommon community requires uncommon commitment to authentic growth. Listen, Scripture, look up here, look up here. How does Scripture present people? Perfect, always doing the right thing, always saying the right thing. Is that how Scripture presents people? 
No, it presents us very real. I'm sure there's a lot of things that Peter's like, no, 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 can we wipe that out, please? I don't want people to be thinking that I said that about Jesus. No, we're real. Uncommon community is about the real me really changing into the image of Jesus. Now, here's what I want to say. You ever heard the saying, you know, we don't want to get into the weeds with one another? We're a church that is about getting into the weeds with one another. Now, there's two aspects of that statement, almost a play on words, getting into the weeds. You think of that as getting into details, the real details of our lives, but also getting into the weeds. If you're thinking of your garden or my garden, I so appreciate my son Micah who helps with our garden is getting into the weeds and pulling them out. Now, most of us, if we're being superficial, don't really want people in our weeds, do we? But if you're going to change and become like Jesus, you need to have some people in your weeds. I need some people in my weeds, getting into the weeds together for the glory of Jesus. And if you're like, well, I'm not into that. I don't want people into my weeds. Well, I'll say this then. You're only as, you're only as serious about spiritual growth as you are willing to let other people into the weeds with you. You are only as serious about your growth in Jesus Christ is you are willing to let people into the weeds with you. If you don't let people into the weeds with you, I'm just gonna tell you, you're not serious about growth. You're not serious. Well, but but you don't understand. I have three-hour devotionals. I have all this stuff. Well, who's seeing your blind spots? I'm telling you about it. Who's praying for you when you're having a discouraging day? Who's going to the funeral with you when somebody close to you died? Who is doing life with you? Who is helping you and, and praying for you as you're dealing with a habit? Who, who's going to be there for you when, like, I'm, I'm struggling with temptation right now? Listen, you're not serious about spiritual growth unless you're willing to let some people get into the weeds with you. Then here's the last one, genuine care. And I'm so blessed to see this in our small groups so many times for so many years. Uncommon community is sharing and caring for the real life joys and burdens that we each have. It is to walk together with Christ through this brief life. Now here's the key word. The key word is together. Genuine care is about doing life together, not alone. Listen, the appearances of Jesus forged a new community around together. We call those the one another passages. Up until this point, I've not really said anything about grace groups. We have a number of grace groups, small groups, if you want to think about it that way, same thing. The best way to experience relational connection, applying God's word, mutual ministry, unceasing prayer, authentic growth, and genuine care is in a grace group. Now, you can probably get 30% of those just coming on Sunday mornings and some other random activities, men's retreat, other things that you can go to. But if you want to get that closer to 90%, you're going to have to be in a grace group. Not a perfect grace group, but a good grace group. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think exactly where you're sitting right now, and I want you to look forward or behind you, I'm going to say roughly 20 feet. Get somebody in your head. Now, that person that you're thinking of in, in your head right now might be going through a very significant loss right now, or they might be struggling in a very significant relationship. They might need to have somebody come over to their house and fix something because they can't fix it themselves. They might need someone to just encourage them, but it's not happening today because you don't know that person very well. They need you, but they don't have your help today because you're not in a small community with them. 
I say, God doesn't want it to be that way. Jesus wants us to be an authentic community. Those, the person you're thinking of that needs you needs to be in a smaller community with you where you can do life together. We call those grace groups. Now here's the thing. Most of you sitting here, it's not that you don't think it's a good idea. The question is whether you will be uncommonly committed to relationships. We all agree that they're important. The question is whether we'll be committed to them. I would just strongly appeal to you to consider getting in deeper relationship, get in a grace group, come on the men's retreat. I'll introduce you to people. We could play, we could be on the euchre team together. I don't even know who you are, but as long as you're good at euchre, even if you're bad at euchre, we'll be good, okay? I'm gonna transition us here. I'm gonna ask you to think about getting in a grace group. If you haven't, and you're like, well, I got 100 reasons why I don't, I don't, I don't have childcare. We got, we got a group for you. Well, I'd like to be with some other men. We got a group for you. Well, I don't know if I can... You come up here, we'll get a group for you where you can grow together. I'm going to transition us into what is perhaps the greatest expression of uncommon community, and that is taking the Lord's Supper together. I want you to look back in the text one last time. Verse 35 says, Then they told what had happened on the road and how... Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Something happened when he broke that bread. Now, what is he talking about in the breaking of the bread? Are we talking about communion, something that's looking like communion? Or are we just talking about hanging out together? Something was happening there. I want to read to you a beautiful quote that I think will help us as we go toward taking the Lord's Supper. It says, the disciples who lament not seeing Jesus now recognize him. The setting is not simply another Luke and banquet setting, nor is it a simple precursor to early Christian communal meals as in Acts 2.42. The table belongs to three distinctive meals in Luke, along with the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 9 and the Passover celebration in chapter 22. All three share six elements in common, along with this one, and in the same sequence, Jesus took bread, blessed and gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them. And although the liturgical elements are the same, the results are not. The feeding of the 5,000, all were satisfied. At the Passover, the apostles remember Jesus. Now, their eyes are opened and they recognize him. The effects of the three meals progress from satisfaction to recollection to revelation. We cannot presume that the resurrected Jesus intended the meal in Emmaus to be the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. And even that Luke understood it as such, for no New Testament Lord's Supper text contains the single elements of bread without wine as here. Nevertheless, the formulaic narration of three meals echoes early Christian Lord's Supper liturgies in important aspects or respects as you look at 1 Corinthians 11. The revelatory effect of the meal at Emmaus following immediately on the interpretation or interpretive teaching of Jesus that all the scriptures anticipate his person and ministry foreshadows the ministries of the word and sacrament. Well, clearly what Jesus is doing here in Emmaus is foreshadowing the gospel at work, the word at work, and the sacrament, which we believe in both. But it's not only valuing the word or 
remembering the work of Jesus. You think about this. Why was there no wine? They don't even talk about this in the commentary, but why was there no wine? Because if Jesus would have gone and gotten the cup, it would have kicked in the kingdom. Because Jesus said a couple chapters earlier, I will not drink this with you again until I do it in my Father's kingdom. That was as far as he could go. I want us to think here for a moment. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask you during the song to stand up, go to your left and around and back to your seat. But as you're doing that, I want you to reflect on the center, what he said to these two disciples. He said, listen, I'm the center. If you're looking for community, if you're looking for relationship, if you're looking for hope, it's found with Jesus and the gospel at the center. That's what we're celebrating today, that there's no sin that's beyond the blood of Jesus Christ, that Jesus' body was broken for us, that we could have the ultimate community in this life and the one yet to come. so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Vertical Church is not only passionate about the preaching of God's Word, but also praying for God to work in the lives of those in our church, our city, and our world. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. Please take a moment and head to our website, verticalchurch.life, and visit our prayer wall. There you can leave a prayer request, either publicly or anonymously, and you can know that Vertical Church will be praying for you. As always, we hope to find you here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.